Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I'm your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Tony with us talking all things business crisis management, talking all about how do you manage a business, how do you optimize a business in crazy times. This is a great episode for you. If you've ever wondered about how do you navigate through these waters, how do you make sure that the outcome you want is the outcome that you get, then this is the episode for you. And of course, if you ever need to make sure that your marketing gets you the outcome that you want, head over to www.mogulcall.com where we're there to help you achieve that. But until then, let's jump into the show. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you making the time. My pleasure. It's great to have you here. Now, I always like to start our podcast off with the same question every time, which is, Tony, if you and I met at a party and we we're just chatting to each other and I said to you, Tony, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Well, usually what I say is I help businesses that are stuck and they're usually stuck in one of three ways. One, they are trying to scale, so they want to get to another level. Two, they just want to grow. Maybe they're not growing at all, so they're stagnant. Or number three, uh, which unfortunately is more the case nowadays, they're in crisis. And so helping them to survive in some cases. Yeah, because I know, I suppose for anyone listening, we're recording in this in the midst of all the crazy corona stuff that's going on. And we will just chat in before we started recording. And you're over in Connecticut, which bumps up against New York, which is where really probably one of the epicenters of, of the craziness that's going on around the world. Luckily, over here in Australia, we're kind of a little bit segregated from all of that. But... What are you seeing popping up for businesses at the moment? And, and a lot of the podcasts have had a little bit of this theme because it's what's going on at the moment. But I think it's still always great takeaways, whether you're listening to this in five years' time after this has all happened or at the time. What are you seeing, especially from over in, in the States where you're up against it pretty pretty intensely? What are you seeing some of the businesses in crises either doing well or what are they? What are, and what are some of them struggling with? Well, I think... Oh, in the States, at least, a lot of them are struggling, unfortunately. Uh, unemployment has gone up to record numbers, like you can't even see it on the chart. So I think a lot of businesses are struggling. I think the important thing and where the companies that are going to win are the ones that are flexible enough to pivot. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset and being sure to change direction if you have to, especially in the mm-hmm. short term. And, and some of the smart ones are doing that, even restaurants. They're doing more takeout you know, businesses, like I have a marketing agency. Unfortunately, we started this a while ago, but we started to pivot to doing a lot more online trainings and things like that Mm. some time ago. But even, you know, some of the friends I have that have agencies are doing that now. So it's never too late. Uh, The most important Mm. thing is to take action. Yeah, no, that's, that's super important. I love that. So like, what are some of the, and it's, it's such interesting, I, I remember I was chatting with someone the other day and they're like, I've never heard the word pivot used more in my life than in the last like four weeks. It's like, it's, it's the go-to word, right? So like, if you're seeing someone who was a service-based business, for example, what are some of the pivots that you've noticed them taking up and, and doing and what, what are some of the ones that where you're going, well, like this is also, cause I know for me, like you said, when I see things externally, 
especially as someone in marketing, I'm like, oh, I wonder, like, what if they did this? What if they took this approach? And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll you know, if they're open to it, I'll, I'll share it with them. And then sometimes it's what they've thought of and sometimes it's not. What are some of the things that you're seeing either as opportunities maybe that no one's grabbing or opportunities that you've seen being taken, especially for service businesses that have been taken and, and are working quite well? Yeah, that's another great question. I think the most important thing is to, to make sure you, you keep the ship afloat. <laughs> and so mm. really, I look at everything from the perspective of three things, which are your resources, which come down to your time, your effort, and your money. And so the companies that are, that are smart are, first of all, protecting their cash, their cash flow. So I think, you know, like one of the things that, to answer your question, that smart companies are doing, they're auditing where their expenses are going. So the first thing you want to look at is, to, is there anything I can renegotiate or cut? So even myself, that was the first thing I did. I audited, okay, what am I paying? There's a way I can negotiate it down. There's a way I can build it, you know, do it in groups. So that's one smart thing that businesses are doing. And then in terms of where they're putting their effort, shifting. So maybe, you know, your market you're in today is declined. Is there another market that has a lot of viability? So there's always, the way I look at it, there's always opportunity. And you have to be smart enough to find where that opportunity is and be, you know, innovative. Now's the time to innovate. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's interesting though as well that for me, and I, I realize that I haven't done this as much as I, as I used to do, but even when people are thinking of negotiating on fees and negotiating on even subscriptions, like I know for us as a marketing, you know, we probably spend a couple thousand bucks every month on our subscriptions and we went really hard on negotiating on all of those, but also not just going for the things like give me a discount, being like, cool. So if we pay you for a year, what can you do us a big discount? Like just trying to find those opportunities out there as well. Like right. people can do that anytime. Right. And that's what kind of interests me in, in the sense of like the business owners mindset. It's like, you have to wait. You don't have to wait for a catastrophic, catastrophic event to be able to look at and find and identify opportunities and whatnot as well, which is always just interesting to me because it is something that everyone's doing right now. But it's like, well, imagine if you had that same energy, effort, and drive to get an outcome when there wasn't a pandemic going on, you know, like how different businesses would be because I think the Warren Buffett quote that, uh, you know, when the tide goes out is when you see everyone that was swimming with their, with no pants on is kind of what's, what's happening for a lot of businesses right now, because they could be, you know, quite heavily leveraged like in Australia. We had one of the big airlines, Richard Branson's airline, Virgin Australia involuntary administration. So they're like, you know, they need like a couple of billion dollars to be recuperate. And that's a, a brand like that. So, what are some of the key steps that you think that people, if they're going cool, yes, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's intense times. I've, I've taken down some of my expenses. That's kind of the foundations of like, put a lid on it, right? Like we're going to get things secure and firmed. What are you seeing as then once people have that? And again, this is guys, if you're listening to this after all of this has happened or whatever it might be, always you, you build your foundation and your base. And then that's when you have the stepping stones for growth. What are you seeing and, and what are you kind of recommending to clients as some of the, then the steps out of this looking forward six, 12, 24 months? What are some of the things that you're seeing and, or identifying that people should then be like moving their attention towards from there for, for growth purposes? Right. So the smartest thing to do right now, especially again, our perspective is probably a little bit more extreme because we are <laughs> right next to New York. If you are not in a position to do anything, which is the case of many businesses, is now's the time to plan. So in other words, don't wait until the last time. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses don't plan. And so I think, you know, going to back to what you said before, if you could do this, if you could audit 
everything you're doing every quarter. That's how enterprises do it. They, they have quarterly planning sessions. And unfortunately, a lot of small and medium-sized businesses just don't do that. But that being the case, now there's never been a better time to plan. So now is when they should be planning when things come out. What's the first step we want to do? We, we, you don't want to wait till that point and then come up with it because you're not going to do it. So if yeah. you're stuck, do it now and, and no matter circumstance. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's something that everyone should do and take away. It's like, cool. Imagine if you did the same, if you had a, the planning session, the attention you put on things that's going on right now and, and take that into your regular quarterly meetings, yearly, monthly assessments, weekly assessments, because I find that a lot of people, I don't know, I've been guilty of it in the past. I put my hand up when things are good, fair weather, you know, they always talk about fair weather friends and fair weather businesses. It's like when things are good, you're like, um, weekly meeting. I said, okay, we'll, we'll catch up on that next week. And, you know, and right. things get pushed out. But then when crisis happens, it was like, we need a meeting like three times a day to talk about this, this, and this. And it just becomes a bit crazy. Now I would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the, I love a good diagram, a good, a good picture, a good picture graphic. The one that you've got behind you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Cause it's like been interesting me since we started, I've got, you've got your big uh, board there. Is this, sure. is this one of your processes that you implement for clients? Yes. So what I did was I, I used to work, you know, at the enterprise level, I'm running the marketing for ADP, doing a lot of the work for Ford. So enterprise level. And like I said before, unfortunately, small businesses don't do that. And when I was at the enterprise level, we literally have like a 30 tab spreadsheet, spend months on it, that kind of thing. Businesses just don't have the time for that. So I said to myself, how do I take what they're doing just to still the most critical aspects and do it something that's very easy to understand, graphical and fast, like very quick. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I, I distilled everything I've done over the years into really just six steps. And I call it the results loop. And it breaks down to number one, who's your market? You know, number two, what's your products and services, which I call offerings. Number three, what's your value for each of those, your value proposition. And then getting into the three ways to grow, which is, you know, the increase in number of buyers, which is pretty much what most people focus on. But the other two is really where the, the, the gold is, which is increasing the size of those buyers over time and then getting loyalty, getting come back again and again and referring business to, from, to others. Mm, that's awesome. I love that. And yeah, the, that's the, the biggest focus that everyone should always have. And as you say, it's like a lot of people focus on getting more and then they kind of leave 66% of the results then on the table because they're not focusing on the other avenues and aspects as well. Now, being that you've worked in enterprise and you work with a lot of companies and whatnot now as well, what of, of your results loop, what's the top two, two that even if they're an enterprise company, they're kind of leaving on the table? So if someone is a, is a small, medium-sized business, they're going, cool, at least if I can patch some of these, these holes here in my, you know, in my loop, in my circle, I, I'm going to be on the right track and you know, I'm going to be on, on track for even what the, the big companies are doing. Is there one or two where you always go, look, 99% of the time, it doesn't matter the size of the company, this is where things are kind of lacking? Well, the most common one is number. Outside of that and, and the procs, that's where most people focus. The other ones are really the, the opportunity. So market, let's start there. Most people don't define specifically who they want to market to. So they speak so broadly, they don't really target anybody. So the more specific you can be, and that's the first step because it's so critical because that sets the foundation for everything else. Because if that's off track, it's almost like a graph. <laughs> you know, the further out you go, the more you're off. So that's probably the, the top one. And then next to that, I would say value. Because the other three, the three ways to grow, all extend from those. So on the left-hand side of the diagram is what you do internally. 
and the, and the outside is kind of the repercussions of that. So if you have a really good defined market and you provide the value to the market, all the other stuff will almost take care of itself because, you know, if it's a no brainer offer, you know, people will buy again. So I would say the top two would be the market and your value. Mm, awesome. I love that. What offers or offerings are you seeing, especially at the moment, having the most success when it comes to, especially, and I say service-based business owners, we have a lot of different and a variety of listeners, but I know, and I just ask selfishly, purely for myself as well, because we're a service-based business, but for, I know we have a lot of service-based business owners as well, that and, uh, and education-based business owners that kind of tune in. What sort of offerings have you been seeing have the most success in the current climate? And, and why do you think they're standing out now versus before or compared to other offers? Yeah, I think a lot of the movement is towards, you know, which is kind of obvious in a way, but virtual. <laughs> the more you can make mm-hmm. your business virtual, the more isolated you'll be from these issues. So, for instance, like, like I do with my agency, moving more towards training, any kind of membership models that have recurring revenue. That's another thing that most businesses don't think about. How do I make my business recurring so money comes in every month and that eases a lot of the stress? Anything like that. I mean, any business can do it. I mean, if you are a restaurant, you can do cooking classes online. You know, we have a yoga studio that's doing virtual yoga. So if you're creative about it, almost any business can can become more virtual. Mm. And then what's your thoughts on once things go back to whatever the new normal or whatever things go like after this with people that have then been conditioned for a while to do online classes and even businesses doing that, if they've then got to go back to the splitting their time between live, in-person, I should say, and, and virtual, how do you think that's going to affect companies and their focus and what they, what they do going forward? Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge for some because I think it is going to be a, a longer-term impact. I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to be as dramatic as a lot of people think because like, I have six kids and so I wow. know like having them do school from home is, is torture. So that's going to change. So I think online, there's still going to be terrestrial schooling. I think business uh, offices, I think the move was already to decreasing the use of office space. So I think office spaces and all the businesses around that. So like if there's delivery trucks or anything like that, that's going to be impacted. So I think you're going to see more remote work because it makes sense for the business owner too. I, I moved to remote work before all this because it was a great way to reduce expenses. And so I think the way I look at it, what I learned in finance school is like, uh, you know, go with the trend. So if the trend is already in that direction. It's only going to get, you know, emphasized. So I think over time, more and more is going to happen. In the short term, I, people have short memories. So I think in the very short term, people go back, you know, travel, come back. Those industries like that, that are really hurting, will come back. It's going to take a little time though. Hmm. What are your thoughts then on, for example, people like long-term pivoting, like you said, for example, yoga studios, if they are able to capture new markets and it does become more profitable than them having a physical yoga studio and all that sort of stuff, what are your thoughts on them afterwards going, well, look, we're not going to go back to, to in-person classes for, for some aspects, maybe because if they've been able to expand their reach and they, maybe they've been able to get people outside of their geographic region to jump on some of these things. Do you think that's going to have a bit of an impact on, on certain, especially I'm, I'm thinking more like the, the fitness and health space because I've seen so many people have to go online with that. Uh, what, what are you kind of seeing on, from, your, from your side on the other side of the pond? I mean, my perspective is it's going to get consolidated. So my mm-hmm. thought is the bigger players are going to get more market share. If you're the local yoga studio, it's going to be more difficult because you're competing against celebrities and everyone else that's doing yoga. Yeah. So I think their best shot is still to have the local 
angle and have people in there physically. I just don't think they'll have the scale, the marketing capabilities to really take on some of these giants, but they're very strong on the local basis. So I think they'll probably go back for the most part. There'll be a few, but for the most part, they'll be stronger in their, in their local markets. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I, I would agree it's interesting. And I know for a lot of them, everyone started, especially in Australia, started pushing towards taking their classes online and their trade. Like we work with a few gyms and whatnot as well. And then you have the likes of Chris Hemsworth who has his center app and just goes, it's free now for everyone as a give back. Right. And everyone's just like, man, you just kind of like, no one can compete with training with full right. you know, <laughs> right. uh, for your, for your workouts. So it's like, okay, uh, it becomes a little bit hard. So as you say, those, um, those big players do it. But yeah, I, th- I think it is, it is good. But then also I think it has pushed a lot of people towards having to understand how to use at least online. And I've been calling it like forced digitization. So it's like, well, well now let's just say, even if you did outdoor boot camps, which we have a lot of in Australia in winter time, you could pivot and just say, Hey, like our winter classes are done at home and online and in summertime when they or when it's not raining then you can have your outdoor boot camp so that you can still now that they've all had to buy cameras figure out how to use zoom live streaming all that sort of stuff it is an extra asset for a lot of businesses and something that i'm seeing so then if you can also connect that with doing your live classes still if you ever have physical premises then you, you kind of get the best of both worlds so yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely it's- interesting I think that's where smart businesses will really look at factor number three value, like your value proposition and understand like at the local level, they have a huge advantage because people buy from those they know, like, and trust. And so you may not have celebrity, but if you build relationships at the local level, you're going to have an advantage over Thor, you know? So I think it's really evaluating where you're strong and riding that as hard as you can, as opposed to, you know, hoping you can be everything to everybody. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's spot on. Now, as we get in towards the end of our time here together, we'd like to keep these interviews short and sharp. Is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, let me think about that. Question you should ask. I mean, a lot of times I get asked a question like, what's the difference between what the top companies do and, and, the, and the small ones don't? And so I've, I've been giving that a lot of thought lately because that was one of the things that was interesting at the agency because I started a marketing agency to help the small businesses with what I learned. And a lot of times they were just off track. And I would say the biggest thing is, is their lack of planning and just the way they think about business. It's the mindset. Like the other thing I would notice that I I'm just realizing this myself more and more small businesses don't do enough joint ventures. Like they don't partner with a lot of other companies. Whereas the enterprise level, when I was, one of the reasons I had a, a very large agency that was at the Fortune 500 level, why we grew so fast is because we did joint ventures with Ford Motor Company, with Google. Like we did those kinds, and that's how the big companies think. So if, any, if I could share anything, that's kind of how they, they look at how they can create leverage. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the key word is leverage. How do you create leverage in your business? How do you take what you're doing and do it at a much bigger level by thinking, you know, just thinking bigger? I love that. I think that's very important. So number one, planning. Number two, joint ventures, ideas, strategies, bringing people together. I think that's so important. Now, look, I think we've, that's like, we've given a, a lot of good insight and ideas into people that are listening to this podcast, whether you're listening to it during this pandemic or in other times, these are all principles that you should always be thinking about and having in place. Now, if people have gone, I love this, I want to find out maybe more about Tony or the results loop and whatnot, where can uh, people connect with you and find out more about what you've got going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So I have a book that's coming out. It's called Small Steps, Grow Profits. 
so what I did was I distilled the best parts of that book and put it into a manifesto. So if you go to smallstepsmanifesto.com, you'll get it entirely free. There's no gate, you know, there's no form or anything to fill out. I just want people to have this information. And so it's there accessible to anyone that wants it at smallstepsmanifesto.com. Beautiful. So guys, wherever you're listening to this, we'll put this in the show notes. So if you're listening to it or if you're watching it, you'll click through to the site and you can hit the, the link there and you'll be able to find out everything about Tony and the Small Steps Manifesto. So again, Tony, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. So guys, if you like this, if you know anyone that's been struggling with things on planning or not coming up with ideas and identifying what they need, please make sure you share this episode with them and get them to find out more about Tony as well. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Thanks again, Tony. Cheers. Thank you.